Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the Ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. You know, from time to time, you get to travel around and, uh, and see churches where the hand of God is truly on the church. And this is one of those churches. I got, I got to meet uh, Jason in, in the fall. In fact, it might have been August. Uh, we, we were in Shanghai together. And then I got to meet the, the other pastor, maybe not the founding pastor, but the previous pastor, Pastor George. I was in Israel recently with my wife, and we, we were able to meet him. Look, the hand of God is on this church, and I came from Arkansas to ask you not to mess it up. Okay, everybody good with that? And, uh, but why, why is the hand of God on this church? Uh, first of all, there's integrity here. When you drop off your kids in another room, you want to know, is this a clean and a safe place? And that's a good thing to look at. But you also want it that way here as well. So integrity is here, the preaching. Uh, I've listened to Jason speak. I've listened to his heart, his family, the way he loves his family. Would you give it up for Jason King? He's a good, a great leader. Wait, there's another reason. This church will do anything to win somebody to Christ. And, uh, and I, I respect that about you. This reminds me, my daughter, she's strong-willed. When she was around four years of age, she was watching a Hallmark movie. And uh, when she was watching this Hallmark movie, this, this little teenage girl ran away from home. Well, my four-year-old Haley, she decided, I want to run away from home. This seems fun. But she goes, I can't do it during the day because my mom and dad are always paying attention. So I'm going to go at night when they're not looking. And so she strategized, but she goes, but I don't want to go alone. I'm going to bring my two-year-old brother with me. So Michelle and I went to sleep one night. This is, this is a true story. You can't make this stuff up. We went to sleep one night, and in the middle of the night, Haley woke up because it was time for her to... An alarm clock didn't wake her up because she's four. She didn't know how to run an alarm clock. Her will, her strong will woke her up like, it's time. And then she went in and tried to get her two-year-old brother, but he said, I'm too little. Go without me. She was mad at him. She left him. Uh, she left our cul-de-sac. Michelle and I were sleeping. She went to the end of the road, took a right, another right, and a left, all the way out of our subdivision to a four-lane highway in her nightie, pulling a wagon uh, with my two-year-old's diapers in it and, uh, and, and then her dolls. And, and, and a lady pulled over and said, young lady, what are you doing? She said, I'm running away from home. And this is so much fun. And she goes, is there anything wrong at home? No, ma'am, it's just fun. I'm running away. She goes, get in a car. I'm going to take you back. She said, ma'am, I'm not allowed to ride in a car with strangers. <laughs> but you can walk up and down this road. I mean, I'm sure she didn't understand. So my daughter came back and knocked on the door in the middle of the night. And Michelle and I went and looked outside. And it was a strange lady who we didn't know. And my daughter with a wagon. And uh, we asked what happened. They told us a story that I just told you. And I thanked the lady. I gave her stuff like our cars. <laughs> I was so thankful. And then I went in and I just stared at Haley. And she's now 24 years old. I'm still staring at her. But here's, here's what I've learned. This is how it's related to your church. If Haley would have not come home, I'd still be looking for her. And I would pick my friends based on who was helping me find her. He is the Lord of the harvest, and the church 
should always be looking for those who are lost, sons and daughters. Please be a soul winning church. Thank you for doing that for years and years and years. Do not take your eyes off the main intent of the gospel. Can I have an amen? But I also know you love the word. And so we're in a series here, and I, and I love this, when, when people met Jesus. So I'm, I'm going to talk about that, but I'm, I'm going to bring up a subject. It's really not fair for a visiting pastor to talk about this because I'm already ahead of the game just by the title. Because I'm going to talk about one of the most reoccurring perpetual topics in the Bible. And most of you, if not all of you, are dealing with it in a major way right now. And I want to talk to you about fear. What fear does to you. How fear locks you down. Uh, How you can be set free from fear. We just heard a passage of scripture of some disciples who were in a storm. Some of you are in a storm right now. Or you just came out of a storm or you're about to go through one. But I'll tell you what's way worse than a storm and that is fear. And, and, And so fear will deceive you. Like you'll see all the problems around you but you will not see What's wrong inside, like the heart? This reminds me, the deception of that reminds me, uh, earlier, it was actually last year, uh, I was at a restaurant and I went to wash my hands. And while I was in the bathroom, no one else was in there. And I'm just washing my hands. And an elderly lady came in while I'm in the men's bathroom washing my hands. And I was like, ma'am, you're in the wrong bathroom. And she smiled. She goes, I'm so sorry. And she, I'm from Louisiana. We eat crawfish. How many love crawfish? And this lady crawfished back out. Like she just crawfished out. And so then, then she came right back in. And she goes, no, sir, you're in the wrong bathroom. And I was like, what? So I ran out and I looked at the sign and it said, ladies. And I was like, how did I not see that? How do you not? It's a big sign. How do you not see that? Fear is like that. It's like you can't even see it. And so you, you blame it on so many different things, trying to figure out what's going on. And it's fear that has knocked you down. In the Old Testament, and I know this series is about the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there was this guy who was cutting down trees trying to build a Bible school with Elijah. And But while he was cutting it down, uh, he, he lost his cutting edge. Fear will take your cutting edge from you. But this guy did something brilliant, and what Elijah did was even, even more brilliant. This guy admitted it. Uh, so he's cutting down, he lost his edge, and, and, and he went to Elijah. He said, Elijah, I was cutting down a tree, and while I was doing it, let me just be honest with you, I lost my edge. And Elijah did something I think is brilliant, and we can pick up on this in the Scripture. He said, tell me this, he goes, where did you lose it? So, so I'm asking you, where did you lose your edge? Like, do you have the edge right now? Let, let's just go ahead and, and be honest in, in our hearts. We're not going to ask for you to show, show your hands or raise them or, or to fill out a card about it. But, but I'm asking you, are you at the peak of your relationship with God right now? And if you're not, where did you lose your edge? I'm convinced if you go back to that place and you find where you lost it, somehow it will be directly related to fear. Or fear grew out of it. So so I don't know how it's going for you, but I I do know that the Spirit of God want to fill you with confidence. Can I have an amen? 
this reminds me, and then I'm going to get into the text. Some of you, the way you drive your cars, you, uh, if your tank, you're so organized that if the tank of gas gets to about a half a tank, you just get fuel. It's the way you're wired. You're, you're that organ- How many are that organized? Okay, we don't like you. You're too, you're too good. You're too good at what you do. We're, we're, we're not like that. Some of you, you're more of like a quarter of a tank. You just fill up at a quarter of a tank. You just gets a little close, you get nervous. But some of you, you wait until it is empty. And then the light, don't raise your hand yet, I'm not even there. You wait till the light comes on, don't raise your hand, still not there. And you know how many miles past that you can go. And then you get fuel. How many of you, that's the way it is? I've seen some of you on the side of the road. <laughs> but when you live this way, when you run out of fuel, it's like you're the only one who doesn't have a place to go. And you feel so dumb. Like, why didn't I just get fuel? And it's like everybody's going faster than they've ever gone. And here you are, just being blown by the vision of everybody else. And, and, and I just want to let you know that if you're on the side of the road, because of fear, we're going to get you back into the game today. And, and the text has set this up. It's Psalms 34.4. says, I prayed to the Lord, and He answered, and He freed me from all my fears. Everybody say, all. all. This is what we're going to do at the end. Now, the reason why I struggle with fear, and this is where I take my heart out, I struggle with fear, and, and I don't know where fear came from, from your life, but my testimony, fear comes because I grew up in a church that was very legalistic. Like, if I would have had a pastor like Jason, if I, if I would have grown up where he teaches word, but there's a lot of grace in it and a lot of truth, like a balance between the two, I would have been, I would have been so strong. But I grew up in a church where it was all truth and no grace. So everybody there, they just mad at everybody there. It was like a prerequisite to go to that church. You had to hate everybody. But the meanest person in the church was my Sunday school teacher. And she was mean. Her finger was 30 foot long. I know because that was the dimensions of the class. And I was always up against the back wall. And she would say, hell is hot. You're going to hell. I was eight. She talked about hell like she was born and raised in hell. One day she said, don't you want to go to heaven? I said, not if you're going to be there. Let me clear that out right now. <laughs> but here, it's funny now, right? But wasn't funny then. Listen, I never knew the Lord wanted to use me in my life. I thought he wanted me out. I never knew he wanted me in. And, and the fear that's, like, that's been birthed from that and then grew through the years. Still to this day, when God asks me to do something new, I immediately do not feel like that I deserve to even try. But I don't know where your fear comes from. And I, every time I made a mistake, and we all make mistakes, we all have issues. If you don't think you have an issue, that's your issue. And no one likes you. I just want to tell you that right now. Like we're all, we've all lied. How many of you have ever lied before big time? Raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you're lying now. And hell is hot. You better not. <laughs> How many of you have ever stole anything before? Even a church ink pen? All right, okay. How many of you have ever procrastinated too much? Real procrastinators will raise their hand in the middle of the sermon or next week sometime. <laughs> it, it is. It's the mistakes. But I want you to see the mistakes of people in the Bible. What about Jonah? Did God use that brother? 
He ran in the exact opposite direction of where God called him. Because of fear, yes, and hate for the people of Nineveh. What, 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 about, what about Noah? Yes, he built an incredible boat, but he also became the father of all drunks. Read the Bible. What about Abraham? Yes, called by God to do amazing things, to be the father of faith, but also the father of many. He couldn't even have kids, and he got discouraged and tried to jump out that track. And then God showed up when he was 100 years of age and said, it's time. Go to Babies or Us. It's time. He was 100. His wife was 100. That's nasty. Think about it. Okay, what about Jacob? He was a liar. Gideon was, in a, Gideon was in a hole in the ground, afraid of his life. The way you thresh wheat is you throw it up in the air, and it separates the wheat from the dirt. And you have to have wind to do it. He was threshing wheat in a hole in the ground because he was afraid of enemy nations. But God looked into the hole and said, you're a mighty warrior. He's like, What? I'm the weakest in my family, and my family's the weakest in the church. I'm so afraid. But God sees what you could be if you weren't afraid. So I don't know where you are right now, but what about Moses? Moses, he was the one who was asked to bring down the Ten Commandments. Question, do you think he read them? Go like this, yes. Well, he broke a lot of them like you. He was a murderer. Thou shalt not murder. He killed an Egyptian with a knife, but he still carried him down. He could have been afraid and did. If it would have been me, I would have said, and here are the nine commandments. I know I would have edited out one of them. <laughs> David's life, Elijah. Elijah is calling down fire from heaven in one chapter. In the very next chapter, he's under a tree so afraid that he was asking God to kill him. So how are you doing with your fear? Now, the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because uh, when you're afraid, you start, you start lowering your dreams to fit where your fear has caused you to land. Like, what are you, dream like, what are you attempting to do in your life currently that if God doesn't help you with it, you will definitely fail? Like, like this is what happens. That, that I, I say, as a pastor, dream dreams for God. But I could also say, if you're not, it's probably because you're afraid. So the Spirit of God is good at lifting up people and encouraging them. Can I have an amen on that? So we're going to ask him to encourage you with your fear. How are we going to do that? We're going to go to the book of Luke. Uh, let me just say this real quick, just to teach you about the book of Luke. Uh, Luke, uh, if I were to ask you, name the disciples. Like, how many can you name? If you've been a believer a long time, you might be able to get a lot. If, you, if you're investigating the word, you, you may not get any. But I've noticed people have been around for five or ten years. They can't name them all, so they'll go, man, I, what's those guys' names? Oh, yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would say that. But you're already off. A few of those were not a disciple, like Luke was not a disciple. You may not know this, but Luke, he probably never saw one miracle that Jesus did during the three years of ministry. Because he got saved sometime after that. And was, he, he wasn't even an apostle. Luke was a busy person, a doctor. But he was hungry for truth. If, if you read the book of Luke, 51% of it is just red ink. It's just words of Jesus. He went out to investigate. Interesting enough, he wrote them. He wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, which is more than Paul. Paul didn't write most of the New Testament technically. It was Luke. Luke wrote the most words. Paul wrote the most books. 
So here he is. He wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And when he wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, he was writing to a friend named Theophilus, just trying to encourage him. But he kept talking about fear over and over, that Jesus doesn't want us to be bound by fear. We have to be set free from fear. And he gets to this passage of Scripture. And and the way, by the way, the, the, the reason why and the way he wrote the book of Luke was investigating. Like he went up to Mary and he said, now Mary, you're still alive. Come on, I'm writing this book and I, and I just want to know the truth. So I'm a doctor. So how did you find out you were pregnant? Was it a doctor that told you? She's saying, no, it was an angel, and he's just writing this down. So he found the, the people who were there, the 5,000 who, who ate in the middle of nowhere. He said, come on, how did, how did the Lord feed you? Did you guys cater in some food? Is that how? And he's just writing this down. And they said, no, we didn't have any food. It was just one kid with a Lunchable. That was it. And, and it, he multiplied. It was a miracle. He's writing this down. He said, Jesus walked on water. Was it true? Did he, he probably was really swimming, right? No, he walked and Peter walked out to him and then he sunk and we laughed and then Jesus picked him back up. He's writing this stuff down. But then in the middle of it all, and this is where I came to land. In the middle of it all, he went to this passage on fear. Now, let me just say, when I read this, I'm going to be talking about fear that a lot of people had during those days like what they're going to eat or what they're going to wear and what they were going to drink. That may not be your fear today. It might be, but it may not be. So I want you to think of what you're afraid of and put it in place to what Jesus was speaking about because he was speaking in modern terms then. If he was around now, he wouldn't be talking to you about sheep and shepherds and figs. He'd be talking to you about stuff that, that like suicide rates and and divorce rates or being single. He would, he would talk about a story of this lady, he, something that you would like to hear about because the way he teaches parables, and you got to get this, he would teach something that everyone was familiar with so he could then teach something that they had no clue about. So here's what's going on in Luke chapter 12, 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, he said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you're going to eat, or about your body and what you're going to wear. For life is more than food. Some of you need to hear that because you're hungry right now. And the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or born, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable you are than birds? Hold it. Everybody look here. A raven is really nothing more than a rat with wings. And God is saying, if I'm going to take care of a rat flying around, I'm going to take care of my... My children, let's keep going. And who of you about worrying can, can add even a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? And consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon. And all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown out into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. And do not set your heart on what you're going to eat or drink, and do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. And your Father, everybody say Father. Father. He knows that you need them. But seek His kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father, say it again, Father, Father. has been pleased to give you the kingdom. All right, let's hold it. Michelle and I, my wife is here. Michelle, would you stand, please? This is my wife. I love Michelle. And uh, we've raised four kids. We're empty nesters now, technically speaking, and, which means they come back sometimes for a little while. 
And, uh, but when we're raising our kids, you're always going to give them like a tip of the day. It, it's not something that will save their life. It's just keeping life moving. Like, don't run through the living room. Don't forget your shoes. Close the door. It's important, but it's not going to destroy them if they don't get it. But there are other times where what you're about to tell them could save their lives. When you're raising like a four-year-old kid, you don't want them looking around and distracted when you're telling them something that important. So you call them close to you, and you get them to look at you. Like you might, you don't want to hurt them, but you grab their face. Like, look at me, and they will not look. They look everywhere, but they will not look. Because you know what you're about to tell them could save their life. So look at me. Look at me. And finally they'll look. And you'll say, do you want me to do to you what I did to your older brother? I don't have an older brother. See, you want me to do that? That's what I'm telling you. Now look at me. And then finally they look at you. And you'll say something to protect them. Listen, just for the picture of it all, what I'm about to speak to you, according to the word, is God grabbing your face saying, look at me. you got to get this right. It's killing you. This is the reason why it's talked about over and over. It's like my professor said in college. He said, if I say it a lot in the class, it's probably going to be on the test. This is the way it is with the Lord. And the reason why he talks about it over and over again is because he knew you were going to come up against this. So here's the first thing. The title of the series, When People Meet Jesus. And when people meet Jesus, number one, worry no longer places limits on their lives. When you're no longer worrying, you don't have a limit. Like it just takes the cap off. Who of you about worrying can add a single hour to your life since you cannot do this very little thing? Why do you worry about the rest? Why do you worry? Why do you worry? Look here, everybody. What are you so afraid of? Last week, Jason and I listened to the sermon. It was so good. If you didn't get to hear it, go back and listen to it. But he was talking about blind Bartimaeus. And he he hit on a few of these things. I'm going to bring color to to what I'm thinking about right now. Uh, Blind Bartimaeus. We know two things about him just by saying blind Bartimaeus. Number one, he was blind. Number two, his name was Bart. Okay, y'all tracking? Blind Bartimaeus wanted to be able to see. So he's yelling out. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David. You heard this last week. So the people around him were saying, be quiet. You're yelling too much. And the Bible says he yelled all the more. It's like with Jason. If I'm around Jason, it's Jason, I'm sick and tired of hearing about the vision that you have for this church. He would say, well, let me just tell you one more time. He's not going to stop. That's what happens when you have vision. So Jesus stopped and went over to him. And it's the weirdest thing what Jesus did. I don't know if you ever thought about this. Uh, but Jesus looked at him and said, what do you, now remember, he's looking at blind Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do for you? Now, as Jason was already articulating, that, that's strange because everybody knew that he wanted to be able to see. So it was like Jesus was tired and didn't have his A game that day. But he wasn't tired and he did have his A game. Then why was he asking? I'm going to tell you why. The Lord loves to hear what you're dreaming about. And some of you haven't articulated your dream to the Lord in a long time. So I want to press pause on that to give you a bigger picture. How many of you someday when you die, 
and the stats are, you can Google it when you get home, it's one out of one are dying now. And, uh, but when you die, if you're born, how many of you want to go to heaven? Okay. Listen, when you get to heaven, oh my goodness. It, it's just, it's going to be amazing to see the power of his name, to see the enormity of God. When you see the fire in his eyes and how much compassion and love he has for people and humanity, it's going to blow your mind, his love. Like so many people are running away from God because they hate Christianity. But if they only knew how much he loves them and how much, how great he is at forgiving people, they would run to him. When we get there and we see it, and there'll be no faith in heaven. Just want to stretch your thinking for a second. No faith in heaven. Faith here. We even put faith in the name of our churches. Faith here is needed. That's how we believe. But no faith there because we'll see it. And when you're there and you see how big he is, I think it's going to be an amazing time. I believe all the questions that I have for God because of pain that I've seen in people's lives that I can't wait to ask. I think just being in his presence, they'll be answered just by looking into his eyes. Do not be afraid of eternity. But let me tell you about a strange verse that we've all thrown out there that I don't think we've thought about much. And it says in heaven that he's going to wipe away every tear. I really like that verse. But let me ask you a question. What tear in heaven will need to be wiped? What's going to cause us to cry there? You ever thought about that? I actually don't know. And I've studied this. I've asked theologians. I don't know. So I can only conjecture. I just have one possible idea. And, and I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm not trying to teach on this, but I'm just getting, getting you to think. Maybe when you see how big he is, how powerful he is, maybe the tear will come from when you look back to now and think, why was I so afraid? If I would have known he was this big, I would not have hesitated so much. Why did I live throughout my lifetime with fear that would hold me down? I was too afraid to try. Some of you, God has given you a business idea and you still haven't tried it because you're afraid of failure. Some of you, God would give you a better job if you would go and apply for it, but you will not go and apply for it. Young people will choose a major in college that they hate because the one they're called to do, they're too afraid of it. Some of you, you tried to serve in church, maybe this one, and you served and you got hurt, and you're too afraid to try again. So you've made a decision, no one's going to ever hurt me again. Well, they just did. Because you're not designed by God to live alone. And fear will put you alone. This church, the vision of this church, was never to move forward without you. We need you. I've never talked to Jason. He said, man, if we could just get about half the people loving God and doing stuff, I'd be satisfied. He wants everyone to do their part. But you will not if you're afraid. Why are you so afraid? Do you know how many relationships, people that used to fellowship here who have fallen away and they would come back with a phone call, but we won't call because what if they reject us? 
just want to tell you that fear will hold you down. Uh, this is the story. Jesus one time told the disciples, he goes, come on, boys, let's get in the boat. And I've been to Israel. I know you pray a lot for Israel. And he pointed across the, the Sea of Galilee. And he said, come on, we're going to go to the other side. And as they were going to the other side, this storm started brewing. And they started, in the Greek, it means they were freaking out. Because they knew about storms. What's your quick point? Most of the time where you're most afraid is where you're most anointed. What you're called to do is usually where you're most afraid. You might come back to that. So they got in the boat and the storm started kicking in. And the scripture says that Jesus was sleeping. And they were freaking out. Scripture says that one of them went over to Jesus and shook him. And woke him up. And said, Jesus, we're going to die. We're about to drown, Jesus. Next sentence he said is exactly what we say when we're afraid. And some of you are there right now. Next sentence. Jesus, don't you care? You don't care. We're about to die. And you're just sleeping. You're not paying attention. You don't care. This is exactly what Martha said. When Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Jesus is in their home, they're so happy. She's worried and upset, worried, worried and upset, worried, worried, afraid. And finally went in there and pointed at Jesus, threw her sister under the bus, said, Jesus, my sister's not even helping me. Don't you care? When you live around fear long enough, there'll be a day where you no longer think that God really cares what you're going through. So some of you, you may say, well, I have 20 years experience serving God. I know what's going on. But a lot of people, because of fear, they don't have 20 years experience. They have one year experience 20 times. It's just take another lap. Take another lap. Take another lap. Listen, what God is doing right now in church, church is the hope of the world. And there is nothing you can invest in any better. And the enemy is going to try to get you afraid. Just like my Sunday school teacher tried to tell me, you're not right with God. You're going. I was paralyzed because I didn't think that God wanted to use me. And I came from Arkansas to let you know that God does want to use you. And if you believe that, praise his holy name. Come on, but let's believe it together. Number two. And I'm almost done. Number two, when people meet Jesus, they seek the first the kingdom of God. They seek first the kingdom of God. First the kingdom of God. All right, I'm not going to talk about this long, but let me give you a picture. In front of all of you, you have two roads. Now, if I was turned around, you would see the two roads, but, but I have to do it this way. Two roads, the world and the kingdom of God. I've been pastoring now for 30 years, and let me just be clear. Most people choose the world because they're afraid they're going to miss out if they choose Christ. This is where a lot of immorality comes from. Man, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to miss out. I gotta. And then the marketing strategy of the world, the neon, the lights, the strategy. Come over here. Come over here. This is how you have fun. But at some point, if you choose the world, you're going to realize, man, I've been punked. Like, this is false advertisement. I didn't know. 
Here's the other problem. When you're on this road, if you don't understand the power of the cross, even if, you, even if you're a person who gave your heart to the Lord, if you don't understand the power of the cross, you will stay there. You won't understand how much he wants you over here. This road, no marketing, but a huge price paid. The old rugged cross. How many appreciate that? And here's, before, before you, you get going on this, I want you to know that all the things that the world is distracting you from, like the reason why you may have this secret in your life right now, or this addiction in your life, or you've gotten off track, is because you're afraid that if you go here, you'll miss out. But the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God, and all things will be added unto you over here. This is how you get the life you're aiming at. That's why I've never seen anybody in all the years that I've pastored as someone at the end of their life who's gone for the things of God. I've never seen them at the end going, man, I just have regret. You know, I've been serving Jesus a long time and I regret it. I wish I would have killed more people. Wish I would have smoked more pot. You know, Colorado. I've never seen anybody with regret because this is where you get what you're afraid of not getting. Third, fear. It does not coexist because the Lord is seen as a loving father. Or it should say when the Lord is seen as a loving father. Fear does not coexist when the Lord is seen as a loving father. Everybody say father. All right, I'm going to clear this up for you, okay? The prodigal son. I I don't want to teach on the prodigal son. I just want to give you the big picture of it. The prodigal son, he had everything. He was living with the father. He was around the father, just like some of you, close to the father. But at some point, he became afraid that he was missing out. So he said, Father, I'm out. Give me my stuff. I'm out of here. And the moment that the father gave it to him, he had less in that second than he ever had before because before he had everything the father had. It's always best in the father's house. Can I have an amen? So he left. Started living crazy. He's on this road and spending everything until he ended up losing everything and he's living with pigs. And he's, it's just a really incredible story. But the whole reason for the story was so you could see the heart of the father. But he was gone so long. Some of you have slipped away from the Father. It's been so long now that you can't even remember how much he wants you around. So this is what happened to him because he's going, man, I want to go home. I can't go home. I've ruined everything. My, I'm going to be an embarrassment. He's getting mad at me. He's going to probably try to kill me. But if I could just be a servant on that property, it would be worth it just to be on his property again. I miss the father. So his prodigal son said, I'm going to give it a try. I've got to give it a try. So he goes home and he's walking home. And the scripture says, when the father saw him from a long ways away, the scripture says he started running at him, started running. I'm convinced the prodigal son thought the father was chasing him down to kill him. But the prodigal son father just wanted to hug him so the father he's like his father so stupid he said I don't care all I know is my son was gone he was lost couldn't find him and now you're home and 
I don't want to go over that. I just want you right in the center of my house. I don't want you out in the fields. I want you by me. I got some filet mignon. It's party time. That's your father. Fear will not remind you of that. To give you a better picture of this. My son, when he was four years old, he was asked to be in a wedding. The lady said, I don't want you to be the ring bearer. I just want you to carry in your dad's Bible and stand by him and hand him the Bible. He said, okay. I said, okay. So we went through rehearsal and he, he did so well. He like carried it in and handed it to me. He's like, man, my son is good at this. But that was Friday night of rehearsal. Saturday during the wedding, the, the day of the wedding, we're driving. I said, Hunter, are you okay? No, Dad, I'm not okay. Dad, I'm going to mess up the whole wedding. Dad, I can't remember what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how fast to walk. I don't know when. I don't know what to do. And I can't remember which aisle to walk. Dad, Dad I'm going to mess it up. I said, son, I, I got an idea for you. What, Dad? I said, here's the deal. I'm going to be doing the wedding, and I'll be up front. And you're going to be behind these doors. And when they open the doors up in the back, I, I just want to ask you to do two things. Dad, I'm so afraid of two things. Number one, when they open the door, you keep your eyes on me. And number two, you carry that Bible. You just do these two things, son. You keep your eyes on me and you carry that Bible. Okay, Dad, what's the two things again? Just keep your eyes on me. And you carry the Bible. So all day long. So it's time for the wedding. I'm about to leave him. And I left him out there. Just remember, when they open these doors, you just keep your eyes on me and you carry the Bible. So I'm up here. It's wedding time. Music's playing. And I'm afraid because I don't know if my son is still on the property. It's like, man, I hope he's here. And they opened the door and he was doing these two things. He was staring at me so intent, like staring like staring, trying to stare at me. And I look down at his little hands and he's holding them as tight as he can. I'm kind of chuckling, trying not to laugh too much. And I said, move. And he starts walking. He comes down the aisle. And I keep telling him, good job. Good. And he gets more and more confidence as he gets closer. About halfway, he starts looking at people. What's up? And he kind of comes over and he hands me the Bible and he's just like, you know, telling everybody. <laughs> Afterwards, I told him, I said, son, you aced that. I was really proud of you. But when I was going home that night, going to bed that night, it hit me. That advice I gave him is good for all of us when we're afraid. When there's a door that's closed and you don't know if it's ever going to open or a door that's about to open and you don't know if you can take what you'll see. You just keep your eyes on the Father and carry the Word. And you don't know what to do and you're bound by fear. You just keep your eyes on the Father and carry the Word. Hey guys, you're in a good church. God brought you here. Why are you so afraid? You just keep your eyes on the Father and carry the word. He's got big plans for this place. Thus saith the Lord. Let's bow our heads. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website 
www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.